Welcome, everybody, to Gameology. Officially, this is Gameology episode 50, although there are technically, this will be our 53rd episode. I'm one of your co-hosts, Matthew Falvey, and I'm joined by... Attila Gabriel Brzezinski. All right, this episode, we're talking about experience and leveling. This used to be something that you only had to worry about in games called RPGs back when I first started gaming. Mario didn't level up. He stayed the same. But now it appears to be something that is so ubiquitous and nearly every single game has some kind of progression system, some experience system. It's a great tool for keeping engagement. Uh, we saw Modern Warfare hit it off huge with uh, introducing that to the multiplayer grind of what would normally be considered a real arcadey game. And ever, it seems like ever since then, it's become such a mainstream thing to put in basically every game. Attila, what are your, what are your general thoughts on experience and leveling? Yeah, so we, we already did an episode, if people are confused, um, we did an episode called Progression Systems that was Gameology number 24, Yeah, and uh, I don't want people to think that we're repeating the same topic. I want to talk a bit more about um, different ways that experience systems are integrated into games, like what the difference is between um, leveling or like character progression in a game um, like Skyrim versus Zelda versus Modern Warfare, like what have you. There's these games all approach leveling and experience in a different way, and I want to look at these sort of like benefits and drawbacks of each. Okay, um, so you know when I was thinking about this, I've been playing a lot of JRPGs this year, and it's uh, it, it's such a nice character to have in front as you're going through a game. And I think for me, the biggest thing is there are a lot of different ways to approach it. And first off, you've got sort of like incremental increases. You know, mm-hmm. is it is it interesting for you to just do something that gives you, say, 10% more damage? Or is it more interesting to have an entire new ability? And sort of keeping that balance, I think, is the way that you can keep it the most interesting. Yeah, there's definitely like a big difference between games that have... Um, like actual ability unlocks as characters level up versus um, stat boosts. Mm-hmm. Like that's those are the sort of two distinctions there. And then the other thing is that there tends to be a big difference between games that have, uh, like as you said, the sort of incremental leveling up, and then there's what I call a threshold experience system. So the incremental leveling up is what you're used to from, say, like, Pokemon, Skyrim, uh, your traditional, like, JRPG-style games. And then the threshold style of leveling up is the sort of thing you see in Breath of the Wild, where you beat four shrines and you get to level up a stat. So that's, like, it's still leveling up, but instead of filling an experience bar, you get four of the spirit orbs that you can exchange for either a heart container or a stamina uh, boost. Mm-hmm. So in that way, they're giving you a bit more control where they're giving you a currency they can use to purchase. And yeah. uh, I've been playing Lost Odyssey, which if anyone hasn't played it and misses Final Fantasy, made by the creator of Final Fantasy, exclusive for 360, still holds up today. And what they do is they have certain characters can learn skills from others. So when one character learns a whole batch of them, they constantly give me more skills than I can match. At this point in the game, anyway, they're giving me more skills than I can possibly learn because I'm only learning one at a time. So I'm having to make serious choices about which one would help me more trying to plan ahead which ones could i um combine together in a way whether you're trying to min max go a certain way or the other so i think that i like having the choice of which way to level up i think that that's like when it comes to rpgs that i think is the most 
um, the most important way to stay true to what an RPG originally was. If you're looking at, say, pen and paper, Dungeons and Dragons style, it's all about you creating a character and playing it the way you want, with it, whether it's with a job system or choosing those abilities. I'm fine with the story being completely linear. And think, In fact, I think that that's always more effective to be linear, but the way you can be super open is by giving that choice in how they progress their character and which, which abilities they choose. Yeah, exactly. That's um, like that's the as, as you said. That's the sort of traditional way of leveling up is that you choose where you want to invest your skills, which is to contrast against. Um, like you might get to choose how your avatar levels up in a party, but you don't get to choose how your party members might level up. Uh, if you're looking at something like Fire Emblem uh, or even Pokemon, like characters or creatures will increase their stats following various different types of curves. Mm-hmm. So the developers have decided, like, okay, this Pokemon is going to have a very high special attack, so its curve is going to uh, be rather steep as it levels up. Um, they might decide that this Fire Emblem character is going to have a lot of HP, so uh, maybe... And then the, the rates of growth also change. Sometimes you have like a slow burn curve where it like starts kind of slow and then gets steeper and steeper. Or sometimes you might have something that grows really quickly where it sort of uh, spikes upwards and then kind of tapers off towards the end. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the different steepnesses, the different curve affect where the character's stat ends up when they are fully leveled. Um, for instance, in the Fire Emblem series, which, you know, forgive me, I've been playing a lot of recently. Uh, a character who is like a tanky knight character is going to have a very high defensive stat, mm-hmm. but a very low magical resistance stat. They're just they're meant to do deal with physical threats, so their ending stat is going to end up much higher versus their um, their stat for like magical resistance, mm-hmm. which is going to end up much lower. So it's not like at level at max level you can expect this character to have all of their stats maxed out it's just they're going to be as high as they can be for that character yeah so that's a way of retaining the intent of the of the game designers intention for that character that's a way of keeping them no matter how much you want to pump into them they can keep them on a specific path i think the biggest challenge for me is that a lot of times you play an RPG and some characters will be amazing in the beginning of the game. Mid-game, maybe they're not so great. Maybe they come back strong in the end. So I think that that to me can be frustrating when I feel like no matter what I'm doing with this character, they just reach a point where they're not a strong mid-game or even final game character. And that I find kind of robs the control away from the characters, away from the player. So I think that that's a big challenge for game designers to um, to be able to... to to still give the character the player the control because yeah you can yeah. you can play with whichever ones you like if it's that type of game but if you feel like you're not using that optimal strategy and you're going to be losing each time then it's you kind of will feel uh cordoned off into one avenue yeah it's difficult in terms of like um obviously as the player you're able to choose how to spend your skill points however you want and sort of move in whatever direction you want and then you might just naturally like some characters better than others and you want to bring them with you you know we talked a, lot, a little bit about this in terms of like uh, mass effect squad mates and that sort of thing mm-hmm. um but just oh, sort how of about, how about, sorry focused. to interrupt how about ai uh <laughs> leveling up like yeah we, can we you, talked about that as well do you ever foresee where where it's not 
not fun to uh for example like final fantasy 10 you have to swap in all your characters make sure everybody gets involved so that they can share mm. i love a game that just look everybody was there they all saw what happened they're all going to get experience do you see yeah. that as a game designer in a way where you want to is it keeping the realism up video games kind of walk that line of well this is realistic but this is actually more fun it's probably more yeah. realistic for mario to die if he falls in lava but it's more fun if he takes a bit of damage and he rockets up into the air with a rocket boost yeah it's it's the constant balance between what the core focus of the game is if yeah. the game is meant to be uh, a sort of more realistic narrative experience i guess if that makes sense um then you're probably going to see people like insisting that you cycle people in in order to get experience. Yeah. Um, if the game is more uh, like gamey, for lack of a better term, if it's more like video gamey and relies less on realism, then people can get experience if they don't participate in a fight. This has been the long-held contention in Pokemon where there's an item called the experience share, where that used to be a late-game item that would share experience with one Pokémon that, crucially, was not involved in battle. Nowadays, it just gives experience to the whole party, regardless of whether or not they participated. Mm -hmm. It makes the game very easy. And the question is, does it make the game too easy? And if you turn it off, what's the benefit? Like, If you don't auto-level your whole party, you have to keep cycling people in and grinding. Is that actually more fun? Or is the Pokemon like core gameplay like where where's the fun? Because if the if the if Pokemon can get you to the point in its meta gameplay where you're having the most fun, then cutting out the grinding is not a bad thing. Yeah. The question is, does having the XP share turned on make it too easy to level up your Pokemon and therefore you're not having any challenge and therefore you're not having any fun? Well, I think you would have the experience share on, but you would just increase the difficulty overall to assume that the player is now leveling up all the Pokemon at the same time as opposed to having it a bit easier so that but I think that if once you start over leveling one Pokemon or one avatar then if you get to a point where it's challenging you're always going to go with that one Pokemon to get through exactly rather than make the tough choice of grinding it out I think anytime you can remove grinding for grinding's sake is is almost always going to be the best option yeah, and that's that's where the main advantage of what I call the threshold leveling up comes in. Because you can't, in uh, Breath of the Wild, you can't grind for experience. There's a mm -hmm. fixed number of shrines in the world, and you have to find them. You can't just stay in one place doing the same thing over and over again. Um, and honestly, like it seems like some early games expected you to do that. They expected you to grind to earn enough experience before you could get to a new place. I know the original Pokemon games were very, like, had a very heavy emphasis on grinding so you could get your Pokemon to a strong enough level. Now, just by playing the base game, it seems like you're overleveled for most encounters if you actually do make a point of fighting every trainer. Um, so how do you get around that? How do you try to control the pacing of a game so that, so that a player is not overleveled? I've been playing a few older JRPGs at the moment, and yeah. even some of the PS2 era ones, and they do a good job of when you get to, if I get if I come to an open area where random encounters are plentiful and there's a save point right nearby, I think yeah. all right, there's probably a boss, and this boss is probably a healthy jump, so either I'm ready for him or her, or I'm going to just battle in this area and grind up. So I think their their solution was just have each boss be a significant jump, and then let the player try to catch up to keep it even. 
Right. I feel like there's sort of two main solutions. You have either, in one case, um, if you have a really like perfectly structured leveling curve, uh, if you've ever played Paper Mario on the N64, that game has a almost flawless leveling curve. Like mm. You are going to hit max level in that game pretty much in time with when you hit the final boss. Okay. It's not with going out of your way to grind. That's just fighting things as you come across them. It's not with a whole bunch of repetition. Uh, Thousand Year Door was a little guilty of that. It made you retread areas, uh, like going back and forth, and I talked about that in a very early episode. But that game still also has a flawless leveling curve. It just expects you to be going back and forth. Like, it takes that back and forth, um, like, repetition into account into the leveling. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the original Paper Mario seems much less reliant on the retreading ground when it constructs the leveling curve. The other thing Paper Mario does is it sets the, um, your experience bar. You earn 100 experience, that's a new level. And you can increase one of three core combat abilities. Your health, your ability to use special abilities, like special attacks and such, and then your ability to equip Basically, items, the things that augment your strengths, uh, they're called badges in the game. So those are your three things that you can choose between each level. And by the time you reach max level, you'll probably have maxed one, maybe like at least one, probably two, and maybe not the third stat. Or if you really go like even keel on all of them, you might not max any single one of them, but you'll get them all really high. Hmm. So they took away that limit in Paper Mario uh, Thousand Year Door. There's no highest level. There's no level cap, as it were. Um, But the way that the game structures it is that uh, since you only need 100 experience to level up, when you go back and fight enemies that you've defeated before, they're worth less experience. So whereas fighting a couple Goombas might have been worth like three experience a piece when you first fight them later in the game, you'll come back and find that each Goomba is only worth one experience. Right. And then later in the game, still you'll, you'll defeat an entire team worth of Goombas, like maybe three or four of them and get one experience for their finishing the encounter. Okay. And you know, that's at a point where you shouldn't really be fighting Goombas anymore. Like you're practically going out of your way to fight those low level enemies at that point. Yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense, um, and that that is a way that they can gate and the way that they control it. I think I like having. I'm not the kind of player that finishes a an RPG and messes around with post game, but I do appreciate um, games. They did this in uh, in the Final Fantasy 13. Most Final Fantasies and most JRPGs have it, where once you're done the game, they have these secret enemies that are hidden about, and I yeah. think that that's perfect for some players love leveling up grinding if you give them a a level system with a lot of holes to fill they won't stop until they've filled it all and that just becomes almost therapeutic and i think that if you if that's your play style it's not mine but it's nice to have that so i think capping it is just you're stopping it needlessly like is it is it wrong is it wrong to want to control the game so much that you're like, I don't want my players to be able to get this high? Or even still, like, fine, they beat the game, then you uncap the top. But it's mm. it's there. The people, Some people have already fallen in love with the characters. They want to just hang out in your world. So I, just, I don't think that's a bad thing at all to just let them keep going and level up to yeah. infinity if they like. Well, that's why they took the cap off in Thousand Year Door. Mm. Um, 
What I think is another interesting approach is the way Dark Souls does it, because, of course, Dark Souls does so many interesting things. Um, they have what's called a soft cap in the game. So you'll reach a certain level when you're boosting a certain skill, uh, say, like, your vitality, which influences your, like, overall health and uh, a couple other, like, sub-factors, I think. I haven't actually... I've watched a lot of Dark Souls play. I haven't actually played it myself. So. Okay. Um, if I'm using the wrong word, please forgive me. But the, the point is, the way that the soft cap works is that uh, when I was describing those different shaped curves before, the curve is going to be very steep up to a certain point following a very like steep equation, and then it hits a certain point where you start getting diminishing returns. Uh, the yeah. curve is no longer very steep. It still keeps increasing. So if you really want to maximize a certain stat, you can keep pouring levels into it. But it's more worthwhile to round out your other stats, start bringing them up, instead of just pouring more and more into this one stat. Also, another interesting thing it does, I'm not sure if I'm confusing this with Bloodborne and Dark Souls. I've dabbled with Dark Souls series and played more of Bloodborne, but I do believe that every time you upgrade any stat it makes the next level um, a yeah. lot more expensive, whether you're raising yeah. a, a very tiny stat up a little bit or whether you're mm-hmm. boosting that really high one up, uh, like you say, to a diminishing return. So yeah. they really, they really, it's not like others where everything will cost, to bring something from level one to level two is always going to cost two points. So you yeah. can't just min-max something and then go back and clean it up. You're making serious decisions if you decide to go one way, which is what I usually do in Dark Souls or Bloodborne. I go all strength. I try to just be able to take out the enemy as fast as possible, and I say to hell with any other stat. But that, yeah, that's, a, mean, that's a fun thing. It's that a strategy. That's, it's one way of playing the game. Exactly, and that's, and that's what is so great about having the freedom in these in these type of games is that your your journey is different than my journey man yeah and uh sort of to contrast i've actually been making a point of playing through zelda 2 the adventure of link okay just uh, like apropos of nothing it is the original like dark souls get good experience right very Have tough. Have you played through Zelda 2? I've played maybe about 25% of it. Those, yeah, the it's... dueling system is mm. nothing to mess around with. Because they went to that 2D plane, you, yeah. can't, you can't really avoid enemies too well. He can jump, but you are, it's pretty hard to get away from some of the toughest enemies. Yeah. So, holy cow. Uh, let me make this a recommendation right now. If you like Dark Souls, you will probably like Zelda 2. Just saying. Even though it's a very like fundamentally different experience um the combat of course is 2d the style of the gameplay like i'm playing through with a guide i'm I'm being told where to go so i don't have to figure that out talk to every town member myself yeah i could probably have a more authentic experience if i did play it that way but it's hard enough piecing these things together as it is and Mm -hmm. i don't want to miss out on a crucial like stat boost item uh but anyway the reason i bring it up is because the way that leveling works in that game, you can grind for experience. There are random encounters on the map that you can use to just um, fight enemies. And uh, one point in the game that I did that was pretty early on, there's a swamp full of Octoroks, which are pretty easy to kill. They all yield 10 experience apiece. (laughs) Um, Just throwing it out there. If you want to play the game, Octoroks in the swamp. All right, that's that's one one of the very few Zeldas that actually uses experience points. Yeah, yeah, and the, the way it one. does it, as far as I can think, you know, aside from Breath of the Wild, which has a different 
style yeah. of leveling up, but it's not experience points exactly. So, um, right when you level up, when you hit like hundred experience, your health goes up, mm-hmm. and that's it. You don't have a choice. Then the bar goes to 200, you fill that up, then your magic goes up. Right. Then the bar goes to like 300, and then your health goes up again. And it goes like back and forth. Like the game is choosing which stat will go up when yeah. you level. And that's a very tightly controlled system. Um, like obviously I was still able to grind and um, – the guide that I was reading says like, oh, you'll probably be like third level in all of your stats. I looked at mine. It's like, hmm, I'm fifth level in all my stats. Maybe okay. I'm a little over leveled. Yeah. But um, it's a tough game, but it's one that you actively feel that you're getting better at. So it's a nice contrast between feeling your character get stronger and leveling up and feeling yourself getting better at the game, which is why I so heavily recommend it. Probably one of the first games that had experience points leveling but com- done completely with real-time action mechanics yeah yeah I, I mean this is coming out on the nes i can't really think of many others that were similar to it at the time mm-hmm. pretty interesting yeah it's a so. we have a, if anyone wants to see there's an episode of uh me playing out with two zelda experts as well if they want to nice. get a better look and the theme for the uh fortress i think it is the castle theme is amazing I used to put, yes. I used to, when I looked after kids, I would, cause they were, this was like the GameCube DS era. And I yeah. said, anyone that can beat one level in Zelda two or Mega Man, I gave this yeah. huge prize and nobody could do it. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. Those games are so difficult. So I'm just sort of looking down my list here and I guess, yeah. So the last thing I wanted to talk about is, um, Two two sort of things. Mm-hmm. Really quickly, just wanted to mention that um, in a game like Paper Mario or Zelda, like it makes sense that you fight enemies, you get experience, you complete quests in various games, you get experience from that sort of thing. And then you can choose where you want to allot your skills, and that mostly works because all of your skills are combat-oriented. Um, but what wouldn't make sense is if you, say made a bunch of daggers, a bunch of iron daggers, and suddenly got like more proficient at magic. Right. So that's where you have a game like Skyrim where doing a skill is what levels up the skill. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still a little ridiculous that you can just make like a thousand iron daggers and suddenly be able to craft swords of like legendary might and strength. Right. Uh, yeah. But fundamentals, man. You're working least, on your fundamentals. At the very least, you're not somehow getting proficient with magic by just forging a thousand iron daggers. So sure. at least in that sense, it kind of works. And that's where when you have that many different skills in a game like Skyrim, that's when you have to sort of break it up and make it so that doing something is what levels it up. Right. Um, to keep the immersion. There was a Final Fantasy 2 or 3 where you you level up in that same way, but that means you don't get... Uh, any more HP until your character mm-hmm. takes damage. Yeah, that's always a bit strange. It was not a popular uh, system. <laughs> and then the sort of last thing I wanted to mention is that you can kind of do away with this with this concept of leveling altogether if you have a more linear story and you provide the player with um, sort of story moments where they become more powerful. Mm-hmm. So this is... Uh, to sort of continue the analogy from Paper Mario, uh, you start the game with just a regular wooden hammer and your regular boots, and they deal 
two damage ideally, one damage if you mess up. And eventually you get better boots and a metal hammer. And now your base attack has increased or doubled in most cases mm-hmm. where every time you get a new piece of gear. So now enemies that you're fighting early game are just trivial because you'll you know kill them in just one hit, whereas before it might have taken two. So this is a way that the game has said, okay, you get to this point in the story, we're rewarding your overall investment of time, and you know it's not that there was a bar that you filled up, it's not that there was like an arbitrary point where you can earn this reward, it's a very fixed point in the story where you're allowing the avatar to increase in strength. So not even reflecting the player's skill necessarily, if you get that far in the game, mm-hmm. you're kind of rewarding that skill, like... But you can kind of cheese it sometimes to get far and do an item run. I know that's a common tactic in Dark Souls to try to go to an area that you're not necessarily powerful enough to fight the enemies in, but you're just going to run in and grab all the items you can and then run back out. Right. Well, that's 3D gaming, brother. You can <laughs> you can run and hide and you can use all those axes. Try doing that in yeah. Zelda 2. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. But uh, we'll have to do an episode about that if I can finish it. I'm determined to get good if- at Zelda 2. If you know what, if you feel like you're three quarters of the way through and you think you can get through that, I'll uh, I'll hop on and see if I can pop through as well. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, right well, is that I think it? You think? About, does it? Yeah, that's about all I had to say on experience and leveling. Cool. Well, that's gonna do it then for this episode. Uh, you can find Number me 50. on what's that? Number fifty. Number. 5-0, officially. You can find me on Twitter at GameThingTalk. Uh, you can check out our gaming website at 90skid.com for news, reviews, opinions. Right now I'm streaming on the official 90s Kid YouTube channel, Lost Odyssey. Final Fan No, Final Fantasy X-2 is done, thank God. Tales of Zillia and The Legend of Dragoon. Attila, how about you? You can follow me on Twitter at BluishGreenPro or my personal handle, Attila Gabriel. You can also visit my website, BluishGreenProductions.com, where you can submit feedback on the show that we'll uh, read and answer your questions if we ever get any. All right, everybody. Thank you very much. If you review on iTunes, it really, really helps. Send in those questions. You'll be the first one to get read on the air. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.